one way back there. Everybody doing okay today? Amen. Amen. God is so good. So I want to ask you, um, how many of you got to taste a little bit of Aruba this morning? Raise your hand high so I can see that. All right. Okay, good. Did you like it? (laughs) He's coughing over here. Uh, Nicole and I wanted to bring you a little bit of Aruba something back, so we brought some Aruban coffee back for you. I wanted sand out there and some palm trees, but that's ah, too big for them guys. You know, they can't think that big. So, but I hope it was good. I don't drink coffee, as most of you know. Never had a, never had the Devil's Brew in my whole life. So, I hope I hope it was good. I hope it, I hope you enjoyed it. I'll get saved. No, I, uh, no, coffee will get saved and turn into hot chocolate. I always say it's. That's what's going to happen. Praise God. All right. Well, it's so good to be back. You know, uh, two weeks was good to get away. And um, the message, you know, what we're talking about is back in order, getting the family back in order. And it's so critical today, probably more than it ever has before, that the family is in order. And what really inspired my message um, today, because I had no clue what I was going to teach on in the two weeks. But really what inspired this message was when we were in Aruba, Again, we're called the God Squad when we're there. Uh, they always want to know, when's the God Squad coming? Uh, everybody else drinks and does everything else, and we don't, of course, and they kind of know that now. So I think they even put out punch for us when they have the welcoming committees because we don't drink punch for them people over there. So we're sitting by the pool, and um, one of the guys that come every year, uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, Randy, I've been a little bad this year. And I said, oh, yeah, how's that? He said, well, I I started a cornhole tournament with um, some friends. There's this place you can go. You sign up. You pay five bucks. You play cornhole with the other partner. You don't even know who it is, and you can win big bucks on it. I said, okay, well, what's so bad about that? He said, well, I just drank a little bit. And I said, okay. And he said, I just been drinking a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. I said, okay, John. Well, the thing is, is they, they just come to us, these people do, and they just start pouring pouring out their whatever they are you know we don't ask them anything they just come and start talking to us and I said well John I said uh, what do you plan on what do you want me to do about that what do you, what do you plan on doing he said well you know I just you know, I told you last year that I was going to get back in church and you know my grandkids I want them in church but they don't go and I said John I said it starts with you sir I said whatever those grandkids see they're going to do And I said, you don't go to church. You drink all the time. I said, listen, you expect them to do something you're not doing? And so I left left it at that. And then uh, a little while later, he came back from the pool. and, And just out of the blue, he said, so what you're telling me, Randy, is that I need to get back in church. I said, John, that's the minimal what you need to do, son. And then I sat down here, and then his his wife starts talking to me about their 18-year-old grandson. And she said, well, they don't know what they want to be. And I said, whoa, what did you just say to me? They don't know if he wants to be a girl or a boy. And I said, you just said they? He said, yeah, so there's another pronoun now. It's a they pronoun. And I said, so, I said, so what do you want to do about this? She said, well, he wants me to buy him a dress. And so I think, I'm thinking about buying him a dress. And I said, do you want to do that? She said, absolutely not. I said, then don't. Don't do it. And I sat there and talked with him probably an hour, hour and a half. He was sitting there. She was sitting there. And I just said, listen, if he was born with exterior plumbing, well, what is he? He's a boy. 
you know? And I said, the world wants to do all these things. So out of all that, we had a long talk conversation. It, was, it ended up being good. But out of that come the message that I call a successful home is the subtitle of Back in Order Today. And basically, what makes a home successful is my question. But more importantly, and let's break it down, what makes a Christian home a successful home? Because listen, worldly homes can take biblical principles and kind of make their home successful. They, they really can. The world tries to do all kinds of things without commitments and use specific parts of the Bible to be successful. But the problem with that is they won't have God's blessing on the home. That's the biggest difference. They won't have God's blessing because they don't make God the authority of their home. And Pastor Kylan started it out last week by saying, let's do things God's way. When we do, his, when we do it all His way, the blessing comes. So how today do we make a Christian home successful? And so I went into the Bible and I want to paint a picture of two families that we've heard some things about, but maybe we forgot about, or maybe we haven't heard it as in depth that I'm going to bring it today. And those two families are Abraham's family and Lot's family. And as I'm talking about these two families today, I want you to sit there and say, can I relate to Abraham and his family today? Or do I relate to Lot and his family today? That's what I want you to think about as we're talking about these things. So Abraham's family and Lot's family. Now, how many leaders of the homes do I have today that were not raised in a Christian home atmosphere? Bam, Teresa just raised her hand fast, okay? A lot of you, a lot of you. Never raised in a Christian atmosphere or a Christian home. Okay, I see those hands. Well, let me tell you something. Neither was Abraham. And as the leader of your homes today, I'm probably talking, if you're married, I'm talking to the husbands. If, uh, and grandfathers as well, I'm talking to grandfathers. I'm probably talking to uh, single parents if they don't have any in the home, as Pastor Nicole said today. If you're single and you're living at home, well, yeah, you're the leader of your home. So I'm talking to you as well. So I'm talking to all leaders. Abraham was not raised in a Christian home. As a matter of fact, in Joshua 24, 2, it says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. So Abraham was a pagan. What? He was a pagan? Yeah, he was a pagan. He was not raised in a Christian home. He was, not raised, he was raised in the worldly home and didn't know anything about the one true living God, like some of you have. He was a pagan in worship, and he worshiped pagan gods for, listen to this, not 20 years, not 40 years, not 60 years. How many of you in here are 75 years old? Raise your hands. Or older, yeah. Listen, he was raised in a pagan home for 75 years. Now, if you were raised in that atmosphere for 75 years, how many know that you're pretty set in your ways? I mean, there ain't no way you're teaching a dog new tricks, an old dog new tricks, right? <laughs> but it didn't happen with Abraham. No, it didn't happen at all with him. Matter of fact, it says here that even though he was raised in a worldly home, in Genesis 12, 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, 
from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So somehow, some way, within 75 years of pagan worship, being a sinner, being a heathen, do what heathens do, God somehow spoke to him. He heard that, wow, I've been praying to false gods that don't ever answer. This one here is talking to me. He must be the true living God. And he does what this one says. After 75 years of not knowing anything, somehow a voice comes from heaven or through his heart, however it happened, he listens to him. Wow, that right there is a miracle in itself. It really is. Now he had three brothers, and one of his brothers had died, and his name was Haran. Haran had a son named Lot, and of course that would be Abraham's nephew. So the Lord said, get out. Remember, he said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So Abraham, again, somehow listened to God. But one thing that he did was he took a family member with him, and his name was Lot. Now, you can argue, and it really doesn't matter, uh, well, why did he do that? Should he have done that? He did it. God didn't say anything about it, and he took him. All right, And I guess, I don't know what happened to the other brother, Nahor, because Abraham's other brother was alive. The Bible doesn't talk about him. Lot could have stayed with him. But he didn't. He went with Abram. And so there it is. So Abraham leaves his lifestyle and leaves his whole life that he used to, to, to know. He leaves it and gone. He took, takes Lot with him. They settled down between Bethel and Ai, which is the promised land. But yet Abraham didn't know that yet. So it says in Genesis 13, 5 through 9, Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. For their possessions were great, that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Pezzalites, I guess how you say that, lived there at that time. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you, Lot? Please separate from me. So Abraham says, Lot, listen, I don't want this trouble. We're brethren. We shouldn't do this. So just separate from me. The Bible goes on to say, if you'll go to the right, whatever you want that way, I'll take this. If you want the north, I'll go south. Whatever Lot you want, you do, and I will do the opposite. Abraham's a pretty good guy. I believe that Lot was blessed like Abraham, not because of Lot, but because of Abraham. Abraham was the one who left by faith and dragged Lot along. He's the one who continued to do what God told him to do every step of the way. Built altars along the way, praising God along the way, and going where God told him to go. So Lot was blessed because of Abraham. Okay? All right. So we see Abraham honoring God by listening to God, building altars, being led by God. So he was doing life God's way and he was becoming blessed. Just what Pastor Kyle said last week. So Abraham separated from Lot. And I say Abram, Abraham. Remember, it was before the promise. So his name was Abram. God had not given him the name Abraham yet. So if I say Abraham, I mean Abram. Everybody understand? It's all good? All right, all right. Praise the Lord. All right. So Genesis 13, 10, and 11 says this. Lot lifted his eyes 
and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So here's where I see where Lot makes mistake number one. And I, as the head of my home, have done this as well. There's something that comes up. You have to make a big decision. Maybe you have to buy something. Maybe you need to go somewhere. Whatever it is, in business or whatever. And so, therefore, I've done what Lot did. I chose for myself what I was going to do. I looked and saw that, ah, that looks pretty good. I think I'll buy that. Without ever, number one, consulting God, who is supposed to be the, the leader of my home, who I'm supposed to like have authority over myself, give authority to him, and do things his way, yet I don't ask him what I should do with a big, when a big decision comes along, just like Lot didn't. Lot looked and saw for himself and said, I see that this is good. I am going here because I like that. Now, I think we, a lot of us have done that. We've done that without asking God. Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I purchase that? I've done the same thing. The Bible says that he didn't even ask his wife, his mate. Remember, they're one. You married your wife, you're one. Two shall become one flesh. So therefore, I guess at times I should have asked my wife certain things, and I have it. I just did it. So number one, he didn't ask God. Number two, he didn't ask his wife. And number three, why wouldn't you get the opinion from the uncle who blessed you so much? He didn't do any of that stuff. I see that's mistake number one in Lot's life. Okay, are you still with me, guys? All right, okay, are you just, are you thinking? Okay. The Bible says he saw with his eyes that it looked good, and he chose for himself what he wanted and didn't ask the Lord to order his steps for his family. So look where he decided to live. The Bible says that he moved beside Sodom. He moved beside Sodom. In other words, let's put it in today's lingo. He moved beside Las Vegas. I think I'm going to live right there beside all those lights. I can see my flocks at night. The music sounds pretty good, too. You know, I think I want to move right there. What a decision. Anyhow, so he moved right where the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against God, is what the Bible says. <laughs> Abraham stayed in the future promised land where God told him to stay. He stayed in Hebron where God had ordered his steps. And things were going good for him because he kept God number one in his life. So the Bible says that in the future here that a battle breaks out between kings right in the land where Lot was living. And in the end, all the goods from Sodom and Gomorrah were taken and they captured Lot and all of his stuff, boom, and they left. Wow, good choice there, Lot. Fantastic choice. It's great. And someone in Genesis 14, 13 tells Abram that his nephew Lot was captured. Abraham lived about 100 miles from where Lot lived. But he armed 318 men 
from his house and went in pursuit of Lot. He defeated all the kings and Lot and his family were saved. Woo, thank God for good uncles who were pretty wealthy and who had a lot of men that could fight. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. So Abram then goes back home and Lot, as the head of his home, does something even worse. Lot decides to move right into the middle of the Las Vegas Strip. He moves into Sodom. What a knucklehead. I don't understand that thinking. Jeez. I bet you Abram was just like, I'm out. Don't ask me to help you again, buddy. Jeez. Wow. What a decision that was. From living beside the lights to being blinded by the lights and sin. That's horrendous to me. That's crazy. So he lives right there in Sin City. He had two girls. Two girls. How many of you have two daughters? Now, can you imagine allowing a, sin, a city full of sin that hated God and moving your wife and your kids right in the middle of sin, right into the middle of it? That's what Lot did. It's absolutely crazy. Here's another problem. After a while, when you live in those environments, they don't look so bad. They start to look pretty good. Well, that's not so bad. Yeah, that's okay. How many of you guys have ever fasted television for, let's just say, three days, a week? And then after a week, you turn it back on? You're like, what in the world? No wonder they nicknamed it the television. <laughs> It's insane, especially today. How many of you guys work in an environment where you hear lots of cursing all the time? Factories, whatever. Listen, man, construction is the worst. Man, I'm telling you, the painters, whoo, I remember those days. They were worse than sailors. Worse than sailors. And I have asked, you know, people at different times, you know, Christians, not knowing that they work in these environments, Hey, you know, you said that movie was good, or I heard about this movie. You want, yeah, man, it was great. Yeah, how many customers that? Ah, two or three, that was it. All right, we'll turn it on. Man, it was 15. You just become so desensitized. You know, you just don't even think about it. And I know people, Christians, well, that stuff don't even bother me, right? Cussing don't even bother me no more. Because you live in that environment. So really, not that you, not that you okay sin, but it doesn't bother you anymore. And that's exactly what happened with Lot. Moved in that environment. Moved his kids in there, his wife in there. Again, I think that was bad. And in Genesis 18 2, Abraham was sitting in the heat of the day. And it says that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing by him. Now this is where Abraham got a promise that Isaac would be born. And then in the 20th verse of Genesis 18, they go on with their conversation. And somehow in the conversation, Sodom comes up. And God and the two angels were speaking. And it says that because, in the, uh, in the 20th verse of Genesis 18, it says, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, 
And because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the angels and, and, and the Lord tell Abram, this is what I'm getting ready to do. And you know, Abram knows that Lot lives right in Sodom. He knows it. So in my opinion, and the Bible doesn't say this, I think he starts to plead for his nephew's life by saying, well, hold on, God, hold on, God. Wait, 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 wait. Well, what if there's 50 people that are still saved, that, that, that love you, that know you? Would you destroy all these cities for them? And the Lord said, well, no, no, okay. If there's 50, if there's 50 Abram, then I'll, I'll leave him alone. Okay, well, what if there's 30, 20? What if there's 10? It goes all the way down to that. And God said, no, no, if, if there's 10, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll leave him alone. I won't destroy him. So I believe he was pleading for his nephew's life. You know, that's what I believe anyhow. So then then Abraham in verse 23 of the uh, Genesis 18 says, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the Lord said in verse 32, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. For the sake of 10. And then Genesis 19 verse 1, it says, so now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then when you may arise early and go, on your way. And they said, No, we will spend the night in the open square. And it said that Lot was sitting at the gate when the angels came. Now, usually leaders of some sort were the ones and judges would sit at the gates, pleading cases, talking to people when they come in, and things like that. So somehow Lot was some type of a leader. Maybe he was a leader because he saw that his uncle was one bad dude. And, you know, we'll put you right there in leadership position. We don't want your uncle to mess with us, you know. Who knows? But he was in a leadership position in there when the angels came to talk to him. And he made the angel stay with him at his home. No, you're not going in the square, he said. No, 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 no. You're going to stay with me. So the Bible says that he fed them. And in verse 4 of Genesis 8, 19, it says, Now before they lay down, the men of the city, it didn't say the women of the city, it said the men of the city of Sodom. And what's the next four words? Say that again. Both old and young. All the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Anybody need to know what that means? I'm going to tell you anyway. They wanted to have sex with them. The old men and the young men from every quarter of Sodom wanted those men. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters. How many of you have two daughters in here? Mm -hmm. Think about this next statement. I have two daughters who have not known a man. In other words, they're virgins. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do with them as you wish. 
Wow. Wow, Lot. Nice place you put yourself in. Letting young men, old men who are wicked and nasty do whatever you want to to your virgin daughters. Can you only imagine what those men would do to them girls? And Lot was willing to let his family. Mm -hmm. But then he says, don't do anything to those men. And have my daughters. And have my family. But leave these men alone. It's a position he put himself into. They wouldn't listen to Lot and was going to bust the door down to get to these two men. They didn't want the women. That's how disgusting it had gotten in Sodom. They didn't want the women. They wanted the men. So the angels pulled Lot back into the door and they blinded all the men, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. The angels themselves saved Lot's daughter's lives and his life and their own lives. Well, them angels would have killed him if they wanted to. Blink. The two angels told Lot to find anyone else who was family and get them out of there because they were going to destroy the place. So Lot went to the two men who had engaged his two daughters and told them, listen, dude, you guys got to go. We got to get out of here. They're going to, God is going to destroy this place. And the men laughed at Lot and thought it was just a joke and couldn't get them to come along. They wouldn't listen. They didn't do anything about it. So it says in Genesis 19, 15, that when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And again, what astounds me is the next words that it says, While he lingered, the Bible says in Genesis 19.15 that Lot lingered after what had happened the night before. They didn't do anything. They just... Nothing. To where the Bible says the men, or the angels you could say, took hold of his hand, took hold of his wife's hand, took hold of the daughter's hands and they brought him out of the city. They had to bring them out of that city because they were lingering, apparently not wanting to go. In verse 17, so it came to pass when they had brought them outside, he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. And Lot again did not listen to God's direction and asked to go where he wanted to go. Can I go to Zor? It's a small city. I don't want to go to the mountains. Can I go over here? And the angel, by grace, said, go. Genesis 19, 24. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Verse 26. But Lot's wife looks back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I think she looked back because she actually missed it. She had gotten so desensitized by what that city was about that she actually missed it. Now why in the world would she be turned into a pillar of salt? 
Why not a cucumber? And, you know, why not a piece of toast? Why a pillar of salt? You and I are living in the last days. Open up your televisions, open up your blinds, look everywhere we are, and who are we supposed to be in this godless world? Salt of the earth. She was not that. Lot was not that. His daughters were not that. So in my opinion, that was a sign. You should have been something that you were not. So I think I'll make you that now for looking back and wanting what I hate. And that's sin. You okay? All right. <laughs> okay, Genesis 19.30. Lot went up out of Zor where the angels told him that he could go in the first place. But it says he didn't stay there. This is what he wanted. It's what he saw for himself. And then he said, eh, I don't like it here. So the Bible says that he dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters where God told him to go in the first place. And they were with him for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. He ended up going to the mountains that God ordered him to go to in the first place. So, their new home was a cave. And his daughters somehow thought that there were no more men on the earth. So you think Lot's life could get any worse than it could get? No, no. So, the girls got dad drunk. And they both, on different nights, slept with their own father because they thought there were no other men on the earth. And in the end, he lost his homes. They were all destroyed. His wife was dead. And through incest, both of his daughters had a son, which again became the enemies of God. And that's the Moabites and the Ammonites. What a story! Let's all breathe. Whew. Thank God I'm not Lot. Right? I thank you, Jesus. But when we see all of this, I thought, man, Lot, you're dumber than a box of rocks. But then I go into the New Testament and God says something about Lot. Through all of those horrendous choices, God says something that just threw me under the bus. It says in 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8, and delivered, what? Righteous Lot? Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. God calls Lot righteous. I call him a knucklehead. Thank God I'm not God. He called me a knucklehead too. So the Bible says that Lot was righteous. Although he moved next to Sin City and then right into the Las Vegas Strip, God still calls him righteous. So here are the takeaway questions I have for you today. Number one, was Lot a believer? Apparently so. Okay. Number two, was he bothered by what was going on in Sodom? Bible just said he was. He was tormented. His righteous soul day after day after day by seeing this 
horrific wickedness. So he was bothered by it. And as the leader and spiritual head of his home, here's the question, and I want you to answer out loud. What did he do about it? You guys are smart. Very intelligent. He did nothing. He'd rather sat at a gate on the outside of the city than find out what in the world his wife was up to and what his daughters were going through and the horrific, and the horrific sin they were living in and around them. Sit outside the gate instead. He did nothing. His family was being influenced by the culture. His girls were engaged to men of Sodom. They become Sodomites. Godless men. And he was some kind of leader to be sitting at the gate. And you know what he was? And this is where we end today and this is what I want to focus on. He was a very passive man. He was worried, tormented, oppressed by the actions, but would not engage anywhere. He wouldn't stand his ground, and he wouldn't leave either. Kind of reminds me of the old Superman against Batman movie. When Superman came out of the ground and looks at Batman, you won't let me live, and you won't let me die. <laughs> Remember that movie? It's a good statement, good statement. <laughs> See, now Abraham wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect. He lied about his wife being his sister. Okay? He tried to help God fulfill his promise, and Islam was born. A huge false religion that we deal with today. He brought his nephew along in which he shouldn't have. And in the long run, it created two more groups of evil people that were against God and against the Jews. Abraham was human like you and me. But as a leader of his home, he chose right when it counted the most. And that's what counts when he counted the most. Life was a lot better with Abraham because as the leader of his home, he allowed God to order his steps. Yeah. Therefore, his family was better off as well because of it. Lot didn't. Lot ordered his own steps. Maybe Abraham tried to talk to him. Maybe he wouldn't listen. Who knows? I mean, it was Lot who didn't even go to his own herdsman and say, stop. Again, he was so passive even in that to where Abraham had to come to him and say, Lot, let's stop this stuff. And just let's move away from each other. He was so passive, he wouldn't even take care of that. Husbands, this is a good question for you. Is your wife and or kids more like Jesus because of you or in spite of you? If you're passive, most likely they're going to be as well. So how do you relate today to this story? Are, are you more like Lot in different areas? Do you relate to him in certain areas of your life? Or are you more like Abraham this morning? Do you relate to him? As the leaders of our homes, and you should write this down if you're taking notes, and if not, you should write this down. As the leaders of our homes, if you have established God's authority in your home, by allowing God to order your steps, then you should have an influence on your family through the Word of God because of the Word of God. That's a big statement. You can take it home, think about it. But it's a true statement. We cannot be passive in these last days. 
We can't. Abraham was not passive even after 75 years of being a pagan and doing things his own way. He did not allow what he was brought up in his family to carry on any longer when he found the one true living God. Well, it's because I was raised this way. Ah! He ain't 75 yet, and he was raised 75 years and turned like that. No excuse, no more. <laughs> Amen? Okay, all right. He didn't allow what he learned from his parents to be carried on to his family and in his home. And instead, he let Lord, the Lord lead him by faith. By faith. If judgment was to come to your neighborhood today, nah, let's wait till tomorrow. How many of your neighbors would be saved? See, how many of our neighbors would be saved? Oh. If judgment was to come to your own home, Tomorrow, how many of your family members would be saved? I had a person come to me about two, three weeks ago, and he said, hey, I found something new I like. And I said, oh, yeah, what's that? He said, I like beer. I said, okay. I said, now unlike it. He said, what? I said, unlike it. Why do we want to move as close to Sodom as we can. It's our flesh. Our flesh wants what the flesh wants. It's always going to be what it wants. Our spirit and our flesh, they don't want each other. They don't like each other. But why do we always have to try to move right next to Sodom? Listen, you, knew, you move next to Sodom with one beer and eventually you're going to move right into the Las Vegas Strip with a case of beers. Everywhere we went in Aruba, who wants a drink? You want a drink? You want a drink? No. Don't drink? No. Don't drink? No. You don't drink? No. Really? And people were shocked that we don't drink. Well, we do drink. We drink Dr. Pepper and ice cold water. And I'll take my water on the rocks. I'll go heavy. <laughs> and I, I saw what alcohol did to my grandpa. Eight kids my mom had sisters eight brothers and sisters i saw what one beer did losing his family losing his jobs living with my mom and dad on a couch before he died that's what one beer did so i said lose it forget it stop it don't like it anymore there's no room for for passivity today especially in god's army the Holy Spirit said to me as I woke up this morning, being lukewarm is being passive. First thing, I woke up this morning and that, the Holy Spirit said that to me. Being lukewarm is being passive. And we cannot be passive. Listen, passivity is a spirit that wants to keep your mouth, your mouth shut and your influence held captive. It does not want you to rise up. It does not want you to pray. It does not want you to stand up for what is right. And it does not want you to bless others. That's what passivity is. Passivity. The definition is acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance. I want you to leave that definition up there today because I want everybody to stand. 
I want you to listen to me carefully and I want all the prayer. Prayer people, come up here. Our prayer family, I want you to come up here. And you guys are going to have some oil. And again, I saw this also. Bam, this is what God said. This is what he wants done today. Listen, whatever the mark is that you set for yourself as a leader of your home is the mark you set for the rest of your family in your home. Do I need to say that again? I'm talking to myself too. There's so many areas that we can be passive in. Not setting boundaries is a big one. Lot never set any boundaries for his family. He must have set some for himself because God said he was still righteous. So he apparently did something right. But he lost everything because he didn't set boundaries for his family and he was passive within his home. Listen, I don't care if Lincoln is 50 years old. If I see something I don't like, I'm going to tell him. And he can say, well, okay, Dad, it's fine. He can take it or leave it. But I'm going to tell him. Lincoln, I think you're becoming passive. I think this or that. Because I love him. Remember, the Lord chastens who he loves. If I have to chase him with a big bat because he's bigger than me now, I will. <laughs> Listen to this. In 1 Samuel, Eli was passive concerning his two adult sons. Did you hear that, Lincoln? Adult sons. <laughs> Who were, listen, considered holy, consecrated teachers belonging to the Lord, supposedly. And yet, they were defiling the sacrifices and making the priests, servants, do things for them that was not holy. Bullying them when they wouldn't do it. Now, these are consecrated teachers belonging to the Lord. And they were having sex with the women that came at the gate. What? Now, apparently, Eli, as the father, did chasten his sons with some words. But God told Eli and punished him severely. Basically, it cost him his life and his son's life. Because in 1 Samuel 3.13, it said... He restrained them not. In other words, he was passive as a father, even to his adult kids who were doing wrong and were supposed to be holy. God didn't like it, and they died. Now, he wasn't passive in supervising Samuel in the tabernacle, but he was his own kids. So strange. So my question is, do your kids rule your home? Do they tell you what's going down? Did they tell you I ain't going to kids' church today because I don't feel like it? I've been a kids' pastor 16 years. I see a lot of kids pulling the strings. I can't believe that a five-year-old can pull the string of an adult. It's amazing. Don't be passive with your children. Remember, you set the bar, they'll do exactly what you do. <laughs> I remember when Abraham said that his wife was his sister. His son did the same thing. What? His son did the same thing. 
So today, if you're a leader of your home, again, husband, be a grandfather, if you're single, if you don't have a husband or a wife, but you're a single parent, you're the leader of your home. I want you to come down and stand in front of our prayer team. Everybody, everybody that's a leader, come on down. We're going to anoint you with oil. And we're going to pray some specific things over your life this morning. You know, honey, I think of the wife in this situation. And I think that Lot's wife was one of the greatest influencers in her husband's life. You as a wife hold a position next to the leader. You're the second in that house. And you lead from a second place. And his ear is open to you. Yes. His ear is constantly open. But Lot's wife's heart had grown cold and was drawn towards the things of this world. Ladies, if you're here today and you're saying that my man has not been the influencer of his home that he could be because I've not been living righteous. I've not been the support that I should have been. Then this line is for you too. This line is for you. And just come down and say, I've missed my mark. And God, I want to be like Lot. I want to restore righteousness to my life and to my family. And I want to uphold my husband in the right way and to anoint this home and to be one with my husband in our way. You are a great influencer. Don't take that little in your way, but get in line and take it to heart today. Pray team, pray against the spirit of passivity on these leaders. Pray against lukewarmness in their lives. Pray that they set strong boundaries for themselves and their families this morning in Jesus' name. Pray that they continue to allow God's authority to be established in their homes this morning. Letting God lead their houses. If you need to repent, just repent. This is the family. Hallelujah. God, I thank you. I thank you for these leaders. God, I thank you for these leaders of their homes, Lord Jesus. God, you have appointed every leader in this place over their homes. God, whether it's the husband, God, whether it's the wife, God, whether it's the single person, whether it's the mother or father, God, who has no mates, God, they're leaders in their homes. God, I thank you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Father, that you give them supernatural strength. Supernatural strength to say no to the world. Supernatural strength to say yes to you. Lord God, we come against passivity. We come against lukewarmness in their home. Hallelujah, Father. Right now, God, I thank you that kids will submit to their parents, Lord God, to their authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They will not be a stumbling block. God, they will not be an embarrassment to the leaders of their homes in the name of Jesus as Eli's kids were. Come against this stuff. Come against sin in their homes in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for righteousness to stand with these leaders, Lord God. Hallelujah in their homes this morning. We anoint them, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that things will change in their homes as of today in the name of Jesus, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I rebuke contention in the homes. Right now in Jesus' name, I rebuke contention between husband and wife. I rebuke contention between the kids and the husband and wife in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for that right now. Go contention. The devil, I rebuke you out of every home in the name of Jesus. 
go right now in Jesus name I thank you father for peace 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 over families peace and unity over families right now in Jesus name in the leadership of their homes in Jesus name hallelujah I thank you father that their neighborhoods will be changed I thank you father that their homes will be changed today in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah we give you praise for it this morning I give you praise for it right now hallelujah glory to your name Jesus glory to your name father hallelujah 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 thank you Holy Spirit for moving in this place moving in this place moving in this place Oh, 
God, we establish God's authority back in our homes today. How we call our kids in from the world today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your word will not return void in the name of Jesus. How what we declare will happen in the name of Jesus. We're setting our homes back in order in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you have authority. We give you authority. Hallelujah over our homes. We reestablish. We reestablish it today, this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving, for healing, healing families, healing hearts, broken hearts, offenses. God, you're healing that this morning as well, along with contention. Ah, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word. I thank you for giving me this word, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that as they go today, God, they're refreshed. They're blessed. God, it's a new start for some families today as they reestablish you as the head of the home. I thank you, Father, for it, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your mercy and your grace in our homes and on our lives today. I bless, Father, this congregation as they leave today. I bless them, Father, as they go to their jobs, to their homes, God, to their relatives' homes. I thank you for blessing everything that they touch. I thank you that it is blessed, God, just as Abraham, Father, was blessed. I thank you for blessing them today as well because they're obeying and they put you ahead of their homes. God, I thank you for that today, for that blessing upon everybody here. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy. God, as we go, I thank you for peace in their lives this week. I thank you, Father, for mending families, mending the leaders of their homes this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you Wednesday night. We love you.